All he does is catch the football. That's, that is beautiful. That's why I came to West Virginia, man. Ding dong, the witch is dead in Arizona. He's a totally energized Heinz Field, the power of the Renegade song. The backyard brawl, man, against Pitt. Look at that. Oh, there's Ross Wolfley. Wow! They came after Donovan McNabb. Went after him. They played to win the game. Everybody's going bonkers, even the referees. Oh, those, those look like some sticky gloves right there. We talk about 50-50. Right now it's 50-50. Who's going to get it? Game came with cover zero. Man across the board. Pick up a flag because, hey, and then with the Renegade song, even flags don't count. They're going to get an Italian army behind them right there, just like Franco Harris. My goodness, that is pure guts. Give me a pepperoni roll, man. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Three Wolves of Football. The boys from Orchard Park, the Outsiders. Man, it's a special night. This is the 23rd episode, still yet to be named, but it is the final one for the 2022-2023 season. Our inaugural episode there, boys. Inaugural to the growl and the grunt. Uh, I'm going to have to go to you first there, Craig Wolfley. Derek, how are you tonight, and how are you feeling about this being the inaugural episode? You know, I like the emphasis on the inaugural, you know, show going on. The fact of the matter is I can see the wrestling kick kick, uh, kick in there with you, my friend. And, you know, it's great. I, I've had so much fun. Look, at, this has been something that's been we've wanted to do for a long time, just bonding together, brothers. And th- this has been it. This has been fantastic. Three different cities. And yet here we are together. It's great. So I'm I'm just loving it and I'm almost I am sorry that it's coming to an end. Well yeah. stay tuned to the end of the show because we're gonna give details about we're gonna continue, but stay tuned. Dot, dot, okay, dot. you know what? I can't wait to hear that. So <laughs> I know you guys that. don't know. That's, That's, the gonna part about it. That's gonna be absolutely fantastic right now. Um this is uh no, this has been really fun. Uh, we get to sit around and we get to talk about the blood sport. We talk about Paul and most of all, we get to share our faith and Jesus Christ. And that to me is something that we all share. And that is a bond that uh, will last for eternity, literally. So, you know what? I'm fired up, guys. What do we got tonight? Where, where are we going to start? Soda oh, I, well, I'll tell you what. Again, our number one dude, and that would be Keith Hawkins with the Zyler clan, our little Z girl, right? Well, he goes, or Derry, he asked her, and he said, listen, man, I'm going to go find this Turkey Jones tape and find out what he's talking about. And here he is going into the archives of the <laughs> NFL. Save his life. And, you know, Terry, you go back to the 1970s when you suffered a serious head and neck injury in the game against Cleveland. Things have certainly come a long way since then. Well, they have, Kurt. And Joe Jones grabs me here and pulls me up and then just kind of uh, plows me to the ground. And I had a spinal concussion, a contusion. Um, I was taken off the field on a board, put into the uh, in between the locker rooms. They didn't have one, so they took a door off of the locker room and put me on top of that door, strapped me down, no x-ray machines, and I stayed outside in the hall until the game was over, they took me to the airport, set me on the top of the seats of the plane, flew me to Pittsburgh, then I got x-rayed and 
and uh, had no feeling for two days. And the third day, the feeling started from my toes and worked its way up. That's 30 years ago, folks. You, you got to realize that, that what the NFL has done today is absolutely phenomenal. Say what? Are you kidding? Hey, Derry, man, I'm going to let you just go with that. I pulled that story up from Keith, and I'm like, you got I've never heard of this story with Turkey Jones. Oh, yeah, that happened way back in the 70s. It was before my time with the Steelers. But think about it. Not only does he get suplexed by Joe Jones, right, but they take him out. They put him on a board taking a door, all right? Mm. They moved him all around, put him on a door for crying out loud. Then they take him to the plane. He, they put him on top of the seats. I mean, you think about what's going on today in today's NFL and how far we've come. The blood sport is – it's it's great. It's 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 growing. It's um, becoming safer and all in all areas. But you know, you think about what these guys have done from the earliest ages: the Joe Caps, the Bobby Douglases, the Sonny Jurgensons, guys back in the day when this is the kind of football that went on. And you know what? You know, kudos to those men. Those are great men that we stand on the shoulders of and yeah. we leave the sport better, hopefully, than we entered the sport. And I think it's continuing. In that era, no, you're you're right about that, Craig. And let me just um, reiterate a little bit of what you said. It is amazing how far the league has truly come right now, and the way that it has evolved, and it's evolving for the better. Um, just the 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 fact that it, that Terry Bradshaw <laughs> was put on a door, like you were saying, it's it it blows your mind. Um, yet at the same time, that's the way that it was um, right. back then, and everybody knew it, and you would play the game as hard as you possibly could. And what I love about it more than anything else is the NFLPA has acknowledged the fact that they are standing. The NFLPA has acknowledged the fact they are standing and have stood on the shoulders of those that have come before them uh, by in their in their last CBA negotiation, really improving um, the lives, I would say, and the the pensions of many many people that came before them. And I think they're going to continue to do that. And I just want to thank the NFLPA for remembering the guys that came before them and increasing their pension. You know, that's really something else. That's going to be a great subject we're going to talk about coming up here in the future. Let's go with what I have to say about Terry Bradshaw. I have a great respect for him. I always have. Always loved him. Always loved hanging out on Saturday practices. Thought he's a thought he's a kooky bird. Thought he's great, fun, entertaining, all that. But I want to say this. My respect for him to play, take another snap ever again after that experience. It means the dude's is tough. Yeah. He's, he's tough. Uh, that could have been a scary, scary experience. Being strapped to a door on top of seats on a plane is a story I've never heard. Blows me away. Anyways, kudos to Terry Bradshaw. I'm glad, glad you – maybe he's a little kooky after that hit. I don't know. But anyway. I think any of us would be a kooky bird after that hit. <laughs> exactly. No doubt about it. Hey, here's something. Now, anyway, a lot of stuff going on down there at the Cardinals, man. Before we get to the Super Bowl stuff, you know, we got to take care of business here at home. And that's it. All right, all right. We'll see you soon. Junkie. He's in there? Now it's a done deal. Hey, 
go. Let's go. Let's go win. Let's go. Got it? I got you. He's a chest bumper. He's, he's like, hey, cool. what's up, dog? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, there were some reports down here that um, that was staged somehow by the Arizona Cardinals okay. actually orchestrate. That was not. I, I can tell you that right now. I know that for a fact that it wasn't. You um, heard it here first. First yeah, of the three right. of football, baby. Yeah, I'm just saying, I know that wasn't. I know the cameraman who was actually doing it. <laughs> and it was it was totally off the cuff. It was organic. And suddenly there it was, Jonathan Gannon, the new head coach for the Arizona Cardinals. And he he was leaving the building, had the opportunity. You saw Michael Bidwell say, you know what, he's down there right now if you want to go see. I love the fact that they didn't have – Jonathan Gannon interview Kyler Murray. Um, it was it was the fact they were hiring a head coach, and then that head coach was going to work with Kyler Murray. That's the way that it should be, right? That's the way that it always has been. And uh, this is something that I think is going to be really important going forward because it's one of the reasons why I wanted a defensive coach to be the hire for the Arizona Cardinals, that there was that separation immediately from Kyler Murray and the offensive side of the ball, having a head coach, as we all know, is critical, but a defensive-minded head coach is going to stand off with that offensive coordinator who's really going to be working with Kyler Murray on a day-to-day basis with the quarterback coach, a day-to-day basis. I like the fact there's separation between the head coach and between Kyler Murray. Listen, I'm the head coach here. You're the quarterback, and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever, but I will tell you what to do. That's the way that it works. He's got to be the alpha male in the room. And from what I understand, I, I actually know my phone blew up, guys. I don't, I don't, I'm not a reporter. I don't have a bunch of inside contacts who are I'm constantly in touch with and they're blown. My phone blew up when Jonathan Cannon was actually hired as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And it was from guys, I I hesitate to say their name, but um, Bernie Kozar. How about that? Okay. And it wasn't just Bernie, of course. It was a lot of other guys. Bernie Kozar saying, you are going to love this guy um, because they know him personally. And. You know, I think Bernie be okay with me sharing that, that he was this, this guy is a stud and that's exactly what they need. They need somebody who's going to be an alpha in the room and a guy who's high energy and Jonathan Gannon is all that and more. Well, first of all, it looked like he ran pretty well, huh? <laughs> he was running down the hall and going to meet Kyler Murray. I thought, Hey, the dude can run. I don't think yeah. he's taking that too many double teams. No. Probably not. Probably Don't get me started on not having double teams, by the way. Okay. Hey, let me How just say you? this. No, let me say this to you. You are one 
breaking reporter news. We are, this is the show is hard format, news breaking. The Cardinals, Jonathan again. it was not staged. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're a little late, Soda Pop. I'm just telling you because on my show, of course, I talk four hours a day. Nobody had to talk four hours a day. I actually said that earlier as well. So I don't know if we could call it breaking. All right. Well, that that's good news. And I'll tell you, the next thing is one more thing before we head to the Super Bowl, and that is this. And Derry, I was thinking about this because I wanted to see what the idea is, who's talking about the Steelers, and it's Hines Ward, apparently. And Hines is saying, I think it's unfair to compare Kenny to Ben's situation. When Ben came into the league, we had a veteran group with every position loaded with guys that are already pro bowlers or all pros. When Ben came into it, it was really just Ben. Don't mess it up. The Steelers are so young, they're very talented, but they're so young. Hines Ward. Exactly so, and it's great words right there from Hines. You know, uh, the fact of the matter is Ben stepped into the lineup after Tommy Maddox got doinked in Baltimore. So you got young Ben steps up. He's got a great defense, a record-setting defense uh, behind him. He's got the Bussy. He's got Hines. He's got Heath Miller. You know, you got a lot of people, Alan Fanica, lining up on the offensive line. There was a veteran offensive line. So just as Hines said, it was all kind of laid out. But Gadzooks, you know, nobody could tell the impact that you got in, in Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he goes 15-1 and one stepping in at, at that starting, uh, you know, in, from, from being a starter. It was really incredible. No, he didn't throw for 250, 300 yards each and every week. You know, he seemed to be so effective throwing the ball – 15, you know, being 15 of, of uh, 20 or 15 of 22, buck 75, that sort of thing. And it just complemented great with Bussy just tearing it up and running over people. The offensive line, 66, Alan Fanica, you know, just dropping bomb on everybody out there. Uh, you know, Jeff Harding's, you know, you talk about ham hock power on the inside. These guys would dial it up and they just drove guys backwards against their will like it's supposed to happen. In the, yes. in, the, in the trenches, baby. It was just fun to watch being on the sidelines, you know, being down there as an old man, you know, you're taking in the testosterone and the blood and everything else. Man, it was it was such juice. And it was just great to be, you know, and watching that from the sidelines. So, yeah, you know, it's difficult to compare Kenny Pickett's situation with Ben because you don't have the same elements there. But Kenny's going to be good. Mark my words. You watch him. He's already good. But right now, this young man is going to excel, I think, down the road. What's his nickname? His nickname is the Sundance Kid because he's better when he moves. All right? That's right. So move, Sundance. Kenny. You're better when you move. All right. Now, that's fantastic. And, you know, I'm going to say it one more time, and I know I have to keep saying it just to keep reaffirming to myself because he's a pit guy, and I'm all in on a pit dude, man, as a Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers quarterback. Yeah. And you know who got me over that pit thing into the NFL? It's pit. Ooh. Pit, I still don't like ever. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry, of course. Uh, Larry that's your guy, Pony Boy. I mean, that's it, man. So, of course. Dude, dude's got the most class that I've ever met anybody. And uh, if I said that's it, he could be that, that I could at least like a, a pit guy when he's in the NFL. That's right. And you, know what, you know what Fitzy's nickname is? The Japanese fighting fish. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> deadly, deadly, and single-minded of purpose when he gets in the red zone. By the way, just for the record, uh, Fitzy hates that nickname. 
<laughs> he does, which is why I use it every opportunity I get because he can't stand that nickname. But just go ahead and Google it, Japanese fighting fish, and look at the profile. Tell me it isn't similar. But but here's the thing. I actually had one of those uh, Japanese fighting fish when I was at Syracuse. I had it in a bowl in my room. Two things didn't survive my, my dorm room experience as a freshman, okay? The Japanese fighting fish, because I fed it Oreos, and a cactus. And both of them went down, so sorry. We're going to have PETA all over us because no, you fed the I thought, I thought the fish liked it. I had fish food. I was feeding it good. But then, you know, uh, I kind of liked Oreos. And, and the, he was looking at me, like, very lovingly. You know, he had the gills going. And he's looking at that bag of Oreos. I'm like, well, of course he wants some Oreos. Oh, Oreos are goodness. good food. All right? So, all right. yeah, sorry about that one. Next. You know, yeah, there's, but there's one, there's one stat that nobody knows that's trivia, is that Larry Fitzgerald is 1,000% in tackling opponents. But his only opponent's ever been is you, Bodie Boy. He's yeah, tackling right. you. He's like five for five in tackling you, which is a different story we want to get into. But it is funny stuff if you ever look at Larry Fitzgerald and Ron Wolfley and Larry taking him down. Yeah, Google it, my young crocs. <laughs> you, you mean we don't have film of that? Come on. No. We do? Oh, okay. Yes, I just thought of that. All right. Well, it gives me a month to prepare. Well, don't even worry about it, Soda. Next. All right. So next, of course, is the Super Bowl. And there's only one thing I could do is play what we our take was on the Super Bowl. Very short. I cut it down, but I put in uh, the essentials of it all. I don't, I don't like making predictions. I don't, uh, educated though they may be, I don't like it because too many people bang on their chest when they get it right and then ignore it when they get it wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that you're ready to go. Otherwise, you know, this is a, this is a, a great matchup of two teams who have yeah. a lot of similarities. And I look at it, you know, quite possibly that the deciding factor could be the experience of Mahomes over Hurts. What about you, Soda Pop? Pat Mahomes, I, I've bet against him before and I've lost – I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going with the Eagles because of the offensive line. I believe in them, and I really think they're on a mission. And you know what? Got to tell you, man, I do love Philly cheesesteaks. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Philly cheesesteaks suck this week, but I'm going to tell you this. The offensive line I was talking about is I mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs, and they did not allow a sack by the best pass rushing defense out there. So, Pony Boy, I got your respect. Because even though I couldn't pound on my chest for a victory, I'm owning it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I, I love that, too. Because, so that you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so many people that do this, they just, they, can't, they don't want to admit they were wrong. But anyways, you know what I was so grateful for, first and foremost, guys? This was a great game. This this was a great game. We had a Super Bowl that was a contested Super Bowl, and we had a Super Bowl in particular going into the fourth quarter that was contested. This was a football game, and even though there was a bit of controversy that I didn't like, and I know we're going to get into that, even though I, I there, was, there was a bit of controversy for the most part, it was a fairly clean Super Bowl. They let the boys play. And I love that, the fact that it was contested. It was a great game. No question about it. All of the above, you know. Uh, Mahomes is just developing and carving out a Hall of Fame career already. I mean, you know, the, 
the things that he's doing on the field are just it, it, it here here's the thing back in the day there was one guy that I'd get off the my my butt off the the bench and get a Gatorade and watch and that was Barry Sanders all right I come off the field when we were playing Detroit I grab my Gatorade go stand on the sidelines because you wanted to see for yourself what Barry Sanders would do I would do the same thing with Pat Mahomes if I was on the opposite side. I'd come back out to watch what he can do because what the guy does out there is truly amazing. And it's, it, it's I don't know, you can't even properly properly put it into context just how great he is. And you know what's the terrible thing about it is I keep saying I'm not going to bet against Pat Mahomes, and I do. Yes. I'm going to say, well, and I'm not going to now again, but I know that Josh Allen's going to come up against him again, and so I'm going to bet against him. And I, I hope I win, but I don't know if I will because that dude is special. And talking about special, this is Nate Burleson and his uncanny prediction of the Super Bowl 57. Reed, I do believe he is going to coach his best game that we've ever seen. It will be creative. It will be fun. It will be explosive. I have the Chiefs winning this 38-35. First wow. of all, Nate, Patrick Mahomes will be the MVP. To... You hear that? <laughs> so 38-35, Andy Reid's going to be the best uh, coach in his entire career in creative. And you could argue with that, but obviously it was incredible. And, of course, Pat Mahomes is the MVP. It is incredible right there. Um, well done by Nate, of course. Uh, by the way, why don't I have a jacket like that? Do you guys have a jacket like that? I, you know, well, I don't know I why you don't have hair like that either. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one of the things that I thought was really, really cool. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, they're known for being able to run the ball. And the Kansas City Chiefs did a good job of really shutting that part of the Eagles' offense down. The Kansas City Chiefs are not known for being a good running team. This is the reason why, guys, I continue to say that you've got to build an offense in the National Football League that is capable of being whatever you need to be in order to beat your opponent, whoever that may be. All season long, it was very, very clear that the Philadelphia Eagles, the one Achilles heel they had, and this is something we talked about, is stopping the run in between the tackles. That is the one Achilles heel they've had pretty much all season long. It hasn't been awful. It hasn't been ridiculous. But they want to rush you. They want to rush your passer. One of the big ways to take that away from them is to run the ball. The Kansas City Chiefs came out in that second half on that first possession where they took the ball 10 plays down the field, touchdown to get within three points, that they ran the ball six times in those 10 plays. Seven if you count Pat Mahomes pulling the ball down and running 26 yards, which was an incredible play, a Hall of Fame play by Pat Mahomes with a, a uh, ankle, a high ankle sprain to pull the ball down and run the way that he did. But that was seven times, if you count that, that they ran in that possession. That was the difference of the game. The Kansas City Chiefs ran the ball, and then you flip it over and you look at it, the, the Chiefs' offense is known for what? Throwing the ball. That's what they do. Man, it was the Philadelphia Eagles who were chucking the ball all over the place. And Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts, if they would have won that game, if the Eagles win that game, Jalen Hurts wins the MVP, even Absolutely. though he fumbled the ball. Absolutely. No question. Exactly. Go ahead, Derek. So here's the thing about it, too. You know, when, when a team has so much sacking going on like they do, 
part of the problem becomes if they start to think they play the run game on the way to the quarterback. And that then, you know, it leaves the linebackers hanging because defensive guys, when you got that taste of red meat, when you're on the hunt all the time, you're not playing through your reads. And that was part of the, the problem. You could see that the, you know, that they were not, that the Eagles were not playing their run reads the way they, they, they're they capable of doing. I mean, let's face it, you have outstanding defensive players. You've got to make sure that they're going through their run reads because you got to be able, you can't just flip the switch to pass rush all the time, you know, and that's, you know, that leaves you hanging. And that's certainly what was exploited. Pat Mahomes, you talk about the courage to tuck that ball and run when you've got a busted up ankle, you know, and, and, and he said, Lord God almighty healed him. I believe it, you know, because let me tell you something for that dude to do what he did in that instance. And I, I've had high ankle sprains. I think you guys probably have all had yeah. it. You know, we, I mean, I cracked a bone in one of those high ankle sprains. That the, it's not an easy thing, man. It's hard to play with, and so you got to give a lot of credit to Pat Mahomes and tucking that ball and running with it as he did, and the fact that that Chiefs offensive line, which I thought was going to really struggle against the Marauders from the Eagles, um, no, they did. Yeah. Fine. They did fine. You know, I love what you both said, and it is the why I love the game of football. Because it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter right. what you or you think. It matters what they think and do. Right. And if they say, we're going to go punch these Philly Marauders and take it to them, and they go do it, that's what I love. And it doesn't matter. I don't care who you are. Yes, Ronnie. Yes. Uh, let me just jump in so to, to your point and say, also, I, I wanted to just Andy Reid and his coaches Eric Bieniemy, what a, what an unbelievable, what a great job of looking at it, saying we're not going to panic. We're down ten at halftime. I get it. It didn't look bad. Hey, listen, the Eagles were dominating this game for the most part, and yet you're down ten points, and you come out in the second half and you don't throw the ball all over the place. You run the ball. Uh, I, to have the patience. Andy Reid, in, in particular, we all know what he did in the in the Kansas City Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy. What they did once they got inside the ten yard line to confuse the coverage schemes of the Philadelphia Eagles. We all know what happened there. Um, but to me, the thing that really changed that game was a mindset of saying, if we're going to win this game, even though we're down by ten points, we're going to come out and run the ball and put Pat Mahomes in a more balanced offense. And that ultimately won the game for him. And may I just add, courage, man. Patience, yes, but more courage. In the hot spot, saying that's courage, the change, and say let's go to this game plan. Because obviously what we're doing is not working. Right. Down by 10 at halftime. I was concerned for the Eagles that it should they should have been down by 2021. 20, I mean, that's really the way that they got outplayed in the first half. Obviously, giving up seven points on a fumble, you know, really hurts you. You know, yeah. don't do it. Don't want to do that in the Super Bowl, right? But no doubt. Anyways, it was a great contested game. And you want to talk about Andy Reid. And I know you just wore that shirt there, Derry, so that not only do you blend into the wall, but that you could say me and Andy Reid got the coolest shirts out there. Yeah, I'm going to give you a name for it. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's called Corn Dog. So it's called what? Corn Dog. 
It's not called corn dog. Oh, yeah, is it good. called corn dog? There's nothing better than a good corn dog with some mustard and, and uh, ketchup. But he doesn't step into the huddle and say corn dog. Oh, no, he says corn dog. He does? So that whole thing about there you go. There is he said corn dog for a fake motion rollback. I mean, go ahead. You love Andy Reid, so I wanted to give that to you. Thank you so much. I love it. You know, Andy and Reed and I, the, the, we got three things in common. We're both offensive linemen, all right? We both love Hawaiian shirts, and we <laughs> both love uh, uh, hamburgers. You know what I mean? Corn dog aside, that's another form of, uh, you know, meatified, you know, uh, stuff on a stick. You know what I mean? It's just, yeah, you know what? I mean, you just got to have meatification going. If you're, if, a true, if you're an offensive lineman, man, You've got to be meatified. You've got to be a predator. You've got to be one of those guys that, you know, you are, are totally in as a meat eater. I love to eat anything at one time had a, had a face and parents. You know what I mean? So it all works out. Me and Andy, copacetic. All right there. Hey, uh, uh, Pony, the word is, is that the enemy and uh, Andy Reid got that off of Peterson from the Panthers because they did that week four. And they show that same play. They show uh, Philly what they do in man coverage like that with the motion. And they caught it up. I, I saw it. It was pretty pretty darn cool that the enemy picked that up. And speaking of which, what's your boys take? And just real quickly, I don't want to get too heavily into it, but that he's not right now a head coach and not getting looked at. Uh, you know, uh, Pony Boy, go ahead. You got any yeah. comments about that? Yeah, first of all, um, I think he's got to get out from underneath the shadow of Andy Reid. I really do. I think he's got to go somewhere and prove that it's not just Andy Reid, but it's also Pat Mahomes, that he can have success somewhere else outside of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Two Hall of Famers. (laughs) I mean, think about that. I think he's got to prove that. Also, um, the fact that he's not always the play caller. I'm sorry. That is a point of contention as well. There, there. He's he's not the play caller from time to time. He has called the plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, but I think um, that is one of the areas he's going to have to um, improve at. I think, and to get credit, I think he's got to call the plays. And then finally, guys, I'm going to say this right here. Um, he's five seven. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I think that commanding the room is important in today's NFL. And although uh, it's not the end-all, be-all, I, I think that uh, those are some of the reasons why Eric Bieniemy has not been hired, though he's interviewed many, many times. And you know the NFL wants teams to hire Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Well, we also know that Eric Bieniemy is is uh, very is qualified for the job too. I mean, the guy's got great football. Yes, knowledge. he is. No yeah. doubt about it. The problem is, is when you are under the shadow and the wings of uh, an Andy Reid, and you have to share some of the play calling duties, it does muddy the waters a little bit. Now, the five seven thing, you know, uh, if you can fix, you can get a box to stand up behind the, the podium or whatever. It is important to command the room, no doubt about it. But um, I think that's something that, you know, no doubt he can he, he would have no problems in, really. But the fact of the matter is um, not calling the plays all the time, um, being under Andy Reid, those are things that, you know, it, they do dissuade some certain people. I hope that he gets an opportunity because I think so he's one of those guys, he's one of those bright, shining lights who has – 
on a real grasp of NFL football, you know. And by the way, there's got to be a, a shout out today too to the great John Mitchell, who stepped down and retired today from the Steelers organization. I, I forget how many years he's been there. Twenty nine. This man is awesome beyond belief. What a great career. If there was a Hall of Fame for assistant coaches, John Mitchell would be in there. Oh. He was he was one of the first to break the uh, the color barrier at, at uh, Alabama. I mean, he is just a great man of God and a great man, period. And uh, salute to you, John Mitchell, on a great career because you are just one of the very special people in the NFL. And uh, the NFL will be worse for your retiring, brother. That's yeah, for sure. Let me just also jump in and, and reiterate the fact that I believe Eric Bieniemy deserves to be a head coach too. Yes. I, want, I just want to oh, see. Yeah. I want to jump in and say I believe he deserves that opportunity. I'm just speculating as to why so many teams have interviewed him, so many teams, and for whatever reason he has not been hired. Yeah. Well, there's there's people that have come out and, and said they don't like the way he coaches too. I'm not getting involved. I don't know. But there are former players that say he's the reason why I left Kansas City. And I've heard two. I've heard two. Again, it's all speculation. Uh, I know this. I don't think there's, at this time of hiring coaches, that, you know, this is a great time for that, of hiring coaches of color, of trying to get them in there. I really do believe that. At least they're trying. And the Steelers, obviously, we all know, the, the leaders in that. So I encourage it. I welcome it. And I do believe that Eric Benham, the enemy, excuse me, has or should have an opportunity at one point. No question. The guy's, um, the guy's more than qualified. Exactly. So let's go continue. And by the way, I didn't bring up John Mitchell because I saw an hour from this show at the beginning and I didn't know right. if he knew about it. So I didn't want to jump in on it. But you're right. 29 years is something special. He is uh, unbelievable, man. Yeah. And moving on with that to this right here with, with listen, guys, we keep saying, you know, that Pat Mahomes is special, but this, I watched this video and this is special. Third and 15, picked up by Mahomes at his shoe top, trying to fight for more time to run. He'll scramble. He's at the 35, but he's ankle tackled there at the 36. And he's hurt. Mahomes is hurt. He'll get up limping. He's in agony on the sideline right now. He rolled it. I'll be fine. I'm good. Let's get it, baby. Let's get it. Let's get it. Love the moment, man. Comes in motion. Here comes pressure to the outside. As Mahomes steps up, he's going to scramble. He is limping back to the huddle. Don't underestimate how tough Patrick Mahomes is. You know, I watched that. I watched him at Texas Tech. I was there at Texas Tech watching him play the Mountaineers. I watched him come uh, to West Virginia. The man was amazing then. 
had no idea, had no idea that I was going to watch this guy and say, this guy on a football field can do just about anything, continue a play, make it go. But when he's there in that pain, and you see him put his head on his shoulder of his trainer, and there's a bond there, there's a relationship there. We all have at it with our trainers and, and the pain. And uh, people, a lot of people don't understand. And there's 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 moment of, of intimacy in there, tenderness, and also toughness beyond belief. And you know, Terry, what, what, what's your take on it, man? It's just, it's just, you know, if he was a legendary before, he's a legend right now. You know, I, I think his legend was was being built real fine before this season and all. The fact of the matter is, what we just saw is a display of a guy who is stronger in the mind along with his body. You know, I mean, the, the fact is. When you're able to put aside the pain to be able to do the things that he did, the necessary things that he had to stress his ankle over, you know, there's only one comment that I can think of, um, you know, and that's from the from my brother, the late great Tunchuk, and he say he's tougher than woodpecker lips, baby. Let me tell you something. That's a great <laughs> job of putting the pain back. You click it off in your head. You 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 find some way to to to. to you know, take that nerve and shut it off in your head, and you go out and get the job done. Kudos to Pat Mahomes. That's the way it's supposed to be done. You know, there's a uh, there's a scene in the Dead Poet Society where a guy stands on a chair and he says, "Oh, Captain, my Captain!" Right? You know what I'm talking about, right. so. And uh, that's the way that I felt watching Patrick Mahomes go out there and ball the way that he did, especially on that run after rolling his ankle and to run the way that he did. Um, it, it just, it was, oh, captain, my captain. And what's really cool about it is Patrick Mahomes, I think, would tell you that he'd stand on a chair and say, oh, Lord, my Lord. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I know we right. all love and respect. And, um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes and the legend thereof uh, cannot be measured with human hands. You know, I think it's interesting that LT, Lawrence Taylor, this past week came out and said Tom Brady is great in the numbers and all that, but the best quarterback ever is Joe Montana. And, you know, Tom, no one's really going to break Tom Brady's record, I don't think, at least not in my lifetime, I don't believe. But if, if it ever happens, you know, I think that Pat Mahomes is a guy that's like a Joe Montana. He's bigger than the, the, the yardage. He's bigger than the stats. He's bigger than life. You know, you guys used to tell me that you could do all the X's and O's that you want on a board, but they're still, they're not living and breathing. And Pat Mahomes is a, a perfect example of that heartbeat of breathing of a player. When you got that, that O right there, and that's the one you got to Pat Mahomes. You got more than something drawn up last on a chalkboard or the grease board, whatever you want to call it. That's really special. And that heartbeat, man, makes a difference to 10 other guys on that field. Yeah. No, anyways, no doubt about it. I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I was moved by that whole thing, man. I still am still affected by that because it, it just to me it was so special. Think about this. We've, we've played with, we've watched, we've seen players overcome injuries and just – you know, it, it takes a special sort of dude to do that. You know, it's hard. It's awfully hard. And you've got to dig deep within yourself. You've got to find the wherewithal to overcome whatever it is that's holding you back. I remember way back in the day, my before my first playoff game, on the Friday, the last practice of the week, 
Friday before Sunday playoff game against the San Diego Chargers. And on the last play of the last practice of the week, I broke my thumb. All right. It was just one of those things that was, you know, because we're fully padded and we're going at it. And I broke my thumb. So I'm sitting there in the locker room afterwards. I got ice on my thumb. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is great. I'm playing Gary Big Hands Johnson, who was one of the top defensive tackles in the NFL, who had a great outside club. I got my left hand with the broken thumb. I've got to be strong with that outside hand to catch that shoulder before he can club me. So I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to do? I got 48 hours, and this thing is killing me. And I'm from across the locker room, I hear this, uh, uh, uh. I look over, and it's L.C. Greenwood, the late, great L.C. Greenwood, pass rusher, extraordinaire, man, member of the Steel Curtain, everything, right? And he looks at me and goes, boy, now we're going to find out what kind of ball player you are. Anybody can play this game healthy. Let's see what you do when you're not quite so healthy. That's and you know awesome. what? It's true. That's That was handed down to me as I handed on later to younger guys. That's mm-hmm. the nature of the beast. That's the way the game is played. And Pat Mahomes, you're a man. You yeah. stood up. You did a man's job there, brother. That was awesome. <laughs> I love the salute there, brother. Okay, so with this game of football, is again, Super Bowl is a high and a low. Nothing higher and lower than for the Kelsey family. Uh, and let's just check this out with the mother. You see Travis. Uh, you see Jason. You know, it, it's, it's just something that's really cool. And when you go through so much in football, and I'm just trying to just say there's so much effort. There's so much pain. There's so much bleeding. There's, there's so much everything. You put your whole effort into it and go up for the big results. And sometimes you get it. Sometimes you don't. Couch! How about it, Joe? It's Mama! <laughs> Mama! I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, I love you, Mama. How about this? Oh, I had the week year life. I had the year of my life. How about this? Huh? I already saw a trail. I'm looking for my parents. I don't know if they're down here yet. Congrats, Great day, brother. Hell yeah. of a season. Thank you. We'll see you, you back here next year. How about that? Hi, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Good job. What's the blocking? Let's celebrate the trail. Okay. You know, I really love that. He's go celebrate with Trap. I mean, those brothers. Uh, we, we've never been in a Super Bowl together. We've had our ups and downs. You guys have been broadcasters for your teams, but you have played against each other in NFL games where Hoopy, our mother, uh, had to be kind of just like that. So much joy for the winner and so much pain for the loser. Who do you choose? It's not a choosing. It's, it's just that heartfelt thing. I think America, uh, if they already didn't love the Kelseys, they love the Kelsey family now. No doubt about it. I mean, just watching that just grabs your heart, man. It's just beautiful. You know, um, I remember after Super Bowl 40, I'm out on the field, I'm, I'm, you know, waiting all the confetti's coming down. And who but my bride, Faith Dale, she makes her way onto the field. And it was, you talk about being surprised, man. I got my bride right there, and we're just standing out there watching them with all the confetti coming down. It was just awesome. It was crazy. 
And then uh, Super Bowl 43, Ronnie's in the booth, you know, for the Cardinals, and I'm on the field, and uh, Chalucha's in the booth for the Steelers, and it was just such a great and awesome time. And uh, it was, you know, those moments, they're just bonding. They're historical. They're things that, uh, you know, it's hard to put into words the emotions that run through you, you know, and then even the fact that Ronnie and I have played against each other, you know, I remember when he came over to dinner the day before the first time he played in Pittsburgh. And I remember, you know, that the, in the special teams meeting that day, they were going to kick the ball at him because he was, uh, he was such a devastating blocker on the kickoff return. They wanted to take his blocking out of the equation. So there I am all night long. I want to tell him, look, watch out. We're going to kick the ball at you, you know, and you know, you know that, Hey, Blood is thicker than any, you know, anything. But at the same time, the boys are dependent on you to keep your big yapper zipped. And I remember when I dropped you off at the hotel the night before the game, you started to walk away, and I go, Ronnie. And you turned around, and I go, I got to tell you. And you looked at me, and I went, I go, just be careful tomorrow. (laughs) It was so funny. And Ronnie just looks at me and goes, I know what you're trying to say. I got it. No, I was it. Yeah, you know, I also I love that, Craig, because I do remember that. I remember that specifically, and it was kind of weird because you didn't want to tell me something, and yet I I was like, okay, um, what could it possibly be? Where he's tripping over himself not to tell me, right, right. And so I just assumed I was a target all the time for for people because. well, I knocked people's Richard in the dirt. I'm sorry. Um, it's just, it's just what happened, and it's not like I didn't get killed either. I got killed, yeah. of course. Um, it's just the nature of playing in transition special teams, very, very brutal. But you know, in regard to uh, blood being thicker than water, indeed, I remember. Um, talking to you when the Steelers were going to come down. And that's back when you guys had the heavy jerseys, the heavy black jerseys. You were going to come down and play in Tempe, of course. And that was an outdoor stadium and it was in October and it's, it was 120 on the field. And I was was. calling Craig and I told him all week long, listen, you got to hydrate, you got to hydrate, you got to hydrate, make sure you're hydrated. He said, yeah, Ronnie, no, I am. I am. I said, yeah, just do it all week, Craig, because it's going to be really, really hot. And you had already stayed over in some places like uh, Miami, as a matter of fact, where you would right. stay over in the hospital because you'd go into a full body cramp from time mm-hmm. to time. Yeah. So I was warning you about that. And suddenly I, uh, we're on kickoff return. And no, 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 it was kickoff cover, as a matter of fact. Yeah, because I, I came um, onto the field, covered the kick and started cramping up. And I went down to the ground. My calf was cramping, and you came running onto the field because you were the offense for the Steelers. And you whacked me on top of the helmet. You said, "I told you to hydrate." <laughs> <laughs> I remember so that. I remember that. It was <laughs> a pro quo, one thing in exchange for another. There you go. Well, I'll tell you this. This is my quick story, and I uh, didn't play against you guys, but you were there for the national championship when I played against Notre yes. Dame, and there was nothing like having family there for disappointment. <laughs> nothing yep. like it. You guys knew what I went through. You knew what I went through. You yep. knew my emotions, 
And yeah. having you there, having Hoopy there, having the family there, but you guys were there, and you're on the sideline with me at the yep. end. So yes, it we was. Were. So that's my story for it, and uh, it meant a lot. And there's, I could just, you could just see it through the Kelseys and relive it to the Wolfleys in my mind. And that's Absolutely. the cool thing. And I think a lot of America could relate to that as well. So we'll continue on, but really cool moment in history in the game of football for me. Now. All right, so you knew I was, we were going to come to this one and, and the call. And, you know, I have nothing else I can say. I'm going to play it for you, and I want to hear what you guys have to say. Worst-case scenario, you'll see James Bradbury. They're going to say he grabs him. He's got his left hand on his back. I don't know. My- Again, it's continuing on. I took the sound out because I didn't want to keep hearing his voice. But, you know, you're seeing this. You know, I understand it's a holding call. He admitted it. Bradbury, but is this a holding call when they didn't even have any holding calls in the offensive line? Is it is this the proper time in the Super Bowl? Is there a timing when, unless it's really atrocious, that you make that call, especially when it's 35-35? My emotions at the time were, man, I'm just so upset that we're not going to see a great ending. That's what I wanted to see, a great ending. More than I wanted to see the Philadelphia Eagles win, and I wanted, and I called for them to win, but I wanted to see a great ending, and I thought we lost that. And, Pony Boy, I'm going to start with you on that one. Yeah, like, it's mixed feelings on this. It really is. Um, James Bradbury, to his credit, actually came out after the game, as you said, and said, I held Yeah, it was, it was uh, by rule, it was a holding call. The thing is, we did not see any of that. The The officials were letting them play for the most part. You can't tell me that was the only holding call that actually happened out on the field. They were letting them play. And I think if, if it was a penalty uh, in the fourth quarter, it had to be a penalty in the first quarter as well. And in the second quarter, in the third I, I mean, the only thing a player wants is consistency out of yeah. the Eagles. That is the only thing that we can ask for is that they will be consistent. And, you know, I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not attacking the the uh, back judge on this. I'm not attacking them for throwing the flag. Um, at the same time, um, it seemed a little ticky-tack, a little ticky-tack to me. But um, I don't necessarily think that cost him the game anyways. We'll never know. Um, because the Chiefs were able to run it down to eight seconds and kick the field goal, of course. But, um, yeah, I didn't like the fact that it came down to that. It was a great game, and uh, I didn't want to see it decided by a holding call in the secondary. You know, I, I, I can't remember how close the ball was when it was thrown, you know, where it was, what it, what it landed. You know, regardless, um, and Ronnie, you laid out a – a great, uh, you know, sequence of, of thoughts there. Uh, I simply go, you're down to the the last couple minutes of the game, man, unless it's something that is so uh, out there, you know, kind of like I remember Terry Bradshaw's last game, you know, it was December 15th, 1983, and it was at Shea Stadium. And uh, you know what? It was just when he had the elbow injury and, and you just he couldn't get touched. You know, I tackled the dude. You know, I just the guy was on a on a on a twist stunt, and you know, it was all all, all I could do. I was caught, and and I knew he couldn't touch Brad. I tackled him. That was flagrant. That was probably the most flagrant flagrant foul in the history of the NFL, and I was guilty of it. Okay, uh, I get that. Yeah, you get flagged like that. But when you have a situation where 
the nuances of it are, are such that, you know, it didn't really inhibit uh, Juju from getting to where he needed to be. Uh, you know, there was not the big turning of the shoulders and everything like that. I got to go, golly, man, you, you might want to eat that flag for the last couple of minutes because you don't want to have to go out there and change the trajectory of this game, which was a great game and still was a great game. But but yet that finish just kind of makes you sit there and go, hmm. Yeah. 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 I will say this, as I said before, one of the best contested games, the Super Bowls we're talking about, ending on a flat line. And yeah. because he, yeah. he actually he actually couldn't score a touchdown to tell his kids I scored a touchdown once in the Super Bowl because he had to sit in the one yard line and run the clock out, uh, which was a smart play, smart play. But I don't like football that way. I don't like that ending. And for me to throw that flag, he better tackle Juju. He better tackle him. So it was so obvious out there because yeah. Pony, Derry, you've said it all season long. As players, me as a player. All we want is consistency from yeah. the refs because then we know the rules. And right. ending the Super Bowl that way, to me, was just a bummer. Heart sick. Yeah. I'm not mad at anybody. It's part of the human game. People make mistakes. But to throw that flag there without tackling them and really without doing that. You know, Tony Dungy disagrees with, with that. He thinks that if you're going to pull the jersey, it's always should be a flag. So that's what I mean. That's what you hear from the others. You know, what if I? I'm not going to go against Tony Dungy now. I'm not going to say to him, I love that man. <laughs> I respect that man. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say anything derogatory about him or his decisions. Yeah, by the way, I got an opportunity to actually see Tony Dungy. He was down here and uh, I waited for him. I kind of fanboyed him. I jumped him when he got off. I was down there. I, I was down at Media Row, of course, and Tony was doing all these interviews and everyone wanted to talk to him. And he came walking off the stage and I said, hey, Tony, I just said, I, I was surprised. I was shocked. He actually remembered me. I, I've met him face to face once. And uh, he, he, it's Tony's He's an incredible man. He's so authentic and yeah. beautiful. What an awesome dude. He is an awesome man. I love him and Lauren, his wife, dearly. They were great. Yes. Great folks. Yeah. Yes. Well, what do you expect coming from the Steeler tradition, right? Uh, he's oh, great great you too, Craig. So I'm not surprised. He's a yeah. class man. All right. Well, listen, my brothers. Okay. So this is episode 23. This is our last episode for 2022-23. Uh, funny how that is, 23-23 works out, right? But here's the good news, my brother. We are being extended uh, through the Ooh. season. We are going to come back. We're going to film. And so you guys got to put this in your calendar now. And it's going to be March 15th with the release on Thursday the 16th. Come back. I want you rested. I want. It looks like Darius all ready to go on vacation. So, I mean, you know, I want you rested. I want you restored. Uh, maybe, you know, uh, Derry, you can come up with some type of backdrop that's not falling during the show. Uh, you know, Pony Boy. Uh, you got you issues, know, man. You, you got issues. Pony Boy, fix your lighting there every week. It's My light's not working. I just got it. Uh, I can't figure it out. So let's try to get it together because we are coming back. We're on Spotify. We're on Podbean. We're on ArizonaSports.com. We're on uh, uh, oh, Apple, Google Play. We're on TuneIn, okay? We're on Anchor, all right? We are there, and we're on all the social media coming off from there. We want to thank, obviously, Parmar Stores. 
for what yes. they've done for us. They're awesome, awesome. Big B, B-Wall, baby. <laughs> we love you, man. And, of course, we're coming at it, and, and we're like, yeah, we love this. Thank you so much to my two brothers. We've talked about this for uh, a long, long time. I'd say years. We talked yeah. about this every yeah. summer that we meet yeah. at Hoopies at the Wolfley Compound in Rushford, New York, man. And we've talked about it, and it came to fruition. So I'm going to say, Derry, you're the oldest. Give, give me your take. Real simple. Love you, Hoopy. <laughs> you know, the take is talk to mom and thank you, everybody who downloaded, who, who enjoyed an episode, who stuck there with us. We so appreciate you and your support. And uh, God's blessings to you, uh, each and every one of you. May you know the Savior's richest blessings in your in your life. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. That is well said by you, Craig, right there. Uh, once again, I just want to thank everybody that has spent one minute listening yep. to us um, this year, of course, in these 23 episodes. And I look forward to, um, Lord willing, of course, extending this podcast. And um, it sounds good to me. So, I mean, we're talking... March 15th, correct? Like you said, that that is when we're talking about four coming. Four weeks, back. brother. Yeah, four weeks. And um, your support has been fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And I get to sit around and see my brothers every week and talk ball and talk about the Lord. And to me, man, it just doesn't get a whole lot better. Well, there's one thing that can help it out, brother. We need a little bit more food in the conversation. That's the yeah, one I, like thing. That. I think we got to talk about food. But again, my two brothers, bros, thank you. I love you. Hey, love we're you, out. Man. Love you, Hoopy. Pony boy, did you say love, Hoopy? Love you, Hoop. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. And the three wolves of football, the boys from Orchard Park, the outsiders were out.